Skiing and riding is more than lift lines and the 10 seconds of fame that you see in snow sports movies. Behind the Instagram posts, magazines, and ski movies, there are living, breathing human beings who have diverse identities, interests, and perspectives. And despite what the marketing might show you, a growing number of people who ski and ride identify as female. In fact, SIA conducted a survey in 2018 of people who participate in snow sports, and they found women make up 40% of snow sports participants. However, if you look at any ski or snowboard film, there's usually only one or two token females for every five to ten males. One female can't represent an entire industry. Every woman is different. Some are tall, others short, some love to run through the rain, and others prefer to sit inside by the fire and read a good book. Some are the queens of lift line snacks, and others can do the best spread eagle you've ever seen. Women are complex and dignified. There is no textbook definition of what a woman in the snow sports industry looks like. So who are these women? The ones who are in front of the lens, the women who compete, who guide, who coach, and all the other women in between. True Gear was inspired to find out. We sat down with four of our female athletes, Ginny White, Shauna Paoli, Kellen Wilson, and Renee McCurdy, and talked shop. Exploring the people, their stories, and the heartbeat of the mountains, this is the Human Element Podcast, brought to you by True Gear. True Gear believes that positive experiences in the mountains are powered by people. People like you and me. My name is Annika Furman, and I'm honored to join you as your host and fellow traveler as we explore what it means to be human in the mountains. Hey, I'm Renee McCurdy. I'm Kellen Wilson. I'm Shauna Paoli. I'm Ginny White. Ginny, Shauna, Kellen, and Renee all have different backgrounds and interests, but their shared love of all things snow connects them. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I think of this all the time, how lucky I am. My parents put me on skis when I was like one and a half, almost two, And so I don't remember learning how to ski, which I'm thankful for because I could just like be a little tiny rubber band and learn and yeah, not have to struggle with learning to ski because it's really difficult, I'm sure. So (laughs) it was nice to be able to do that as a little kid. And my parents had a place up in Copper Mountain. I grew up um, south of Denver, um, Monument, Colorado. (laughs) And we would go up to the mountains every weekend and I just learned how to ski and it was at first, I, I didn't like it at first, actually. I remember when my parents said, we're, we're getting a place up in the mountains, you know, a little condo to go up on the weekends. I was super bummed because I had to go to ski school every weekend. I hated ski school. So it's so funny. I'm so happy my parents kept me in ski school and kept making me ski every weekend because I don't know who I would be if I didn't. Kellen Wilson is a fun-loving, groovy, tiny powerhouse of a woman who isn't afraid to start a dance party on or off the ski slope. But it wasn't always this way. Maybe it was the cold, or maybe she just needed something more exciting. But Kellen wasn't always infatuated with skiing. Luckily, she had a rad coach that came to the rescue. And then I had this one coach, Mike, we called him Crazy Mike, Mike McFarland, and he changed my whole outlook on skiing. And he wanted to make a little freestyle ski team in Copper. And so he took our, the kids who were keen on it in our little ski group, and he made like the first little park team. And so he would take us out and he'd film us on his little camcorder and we'd make like a little season edit and we would jump, you know, do the little kid terrain park. And I remember we'd jump on the electrical boxes by the the ski towers and do a little jib on them. And (laughs) all of a sudden I was part of like a little team and it was completely different and we had so much fun. And yeah, same thing. At one point there was another girl, but for the most part, 
I was the only girl on the team. And so I got really used to only skiing with boys and it was awesome. And they pushed me really hard and we all were friends and it was, it was fun. We were young enough, but it was all just so much fun. Similar to Kellen, Ginny White, a fifth generation wild cowgirl from Banff, Alberta, grew up on the slopes. I guess I would consider myself like a semi-professional skier, half guide, sort of everything. I grew up in Banff, Alberta in the Canadian Rockies and so have had skiing as kind of a baseline in my life since I was born. Yeah, my family has been in Banff since like the late 1800s. My great-great-uncle started the first general store in Banff. A bunch of other family members kind of pioneered ski tourism in the area. Um, my great-grandpa and my great-uncle helped start the ski club of the Canadian Rockies, which was originally Skokie Lodge and then grew to be like Mount Norquay, Lake Louise, Sunshine, and kind of like, yeah, early, mid-1900s bringing people to the Rockies to ski. Ginny describes herself as a little bit of everything, a jack of all trades, but it's true. Maybe they drink some kind of special mountain water out there in Banff. From backcountry guiding to mountain biking to sending huge pillow lines and filming with the blondes and Alex Armstrong to just sitting down and reading a good book, Ginny lives the skier life, but she wasn't always so into gliding around on snow. Growing up in Banff was super sweet, like from two years old on like the ski hill was our daycare basically and so my parents would want to go ski and they'd bring us up and when I was too young I would go to daycare and then start like branching out on the ski hill um, as I got older um, but by the time I was like eight I was super over skiing we spent every weekend in the winter skiing my sister was a ski racer I was on track to be a ski racer and I just yeah, didn't, didn't like the structure. I was always cold. Like I'm, I'm still always cold. So it's ironic that somehow I've ended up back in this industry, but I just wanted nothing to do with it. And I came home one day and I was like, I'm gonna be a hockey player. And my parents were stunned. It seems like everyone in Canada gets stung by the hockey bug. Like Ginny, skier Renee McCurdy started her career on the ice. Growing up in Calgary, skiing wasn't a priority. I grew up just outside Calgary, like 20, 30 minutes outside of the city. I played hockey growing up, like every good Canadian does, I guess. <laughs> so just like total rink rat. And I learned to ski when I was a kid, like here or there, like my family would do like the one like trip a year kind of thing. And then I never skied like through grade school, basically. Renee isn't a born and bred skier. She's an athlete. Oh, and a Canadian. So skiing ended up holding a spot in her life. So in university, I was running varsity track and field and I hurt my ankle. They told me that I could ski or snowboard as long as I wasn't really hitting any airs because that would keep my ankle in a good position and then I could still work on healing it but be doing something. So I was snowboarding and eventually I was like, oh, I'll just try skiing just for the heck of it. And then it was like all over for snowboarding. I was just so much better at skiing and I could go way faster. And I think that skating translates really well to skiing because right off the bat, you understand edges 
and how to use them and how to stop. Shauna Paoli is spunky and raw. She grew up in Wisconsin as a total tomboy, and she was always down to try the next new thing. Shauna didn't grow up in the most conventional mountain town, but that didn't hinder her passion for snow. My name's Shauna. My legal name's Shauna Wynecki Paoli, and I was lucky enough to have uh, Wisconsin's second highest point with 700 vertical feet, kind of 15 minutes from my house. Um, my dad got me on skis. Man, I can't even remember when he got me on skis. I think I was like three the first time he tried skiing with me. But yeah, so I'm from there and I've kind of been like just trying to find the best spot since then. Shauna's relationship with her dad got her started and made her love snow. But then skiing turned into snowboarding. But yeah, I really wanted to snowboard and I remember my dad would like pick me up from school and we'd go to the local snowboard shop in town dwellers and we'd just like look at all the snowboards and just like kind of daydream and peruse the shop and um, then we'd go like grab some food afterwards together or something and um, one day uh, I remember he had his car in my grandparents garage and he told me he had a surprise for me and I went out there and it was my first snowboard and in the back of his car and so that was really a special thing I really do have him to thank for getting me into snowboarding. From fresh powder to filming and edit these women fully embrace the ski and snowboard lifestyle but the thing is they all do it differently. Each one is an individual and each woman has her own style and flair. To help put that into perspective on today's podcast we will explore these women in four parts. Part one the send. Part two the creativity of snow Part three, femininity, and part four, a look outside the bubble. Part one, the send. As skiers and snowboarders, the send is fresh powder, big lines and huge jumps, learning new skills and having a rad crew, and being humbled by nature. Hucking cliffs isn't the only part of snow sports, it's just one part. And the no friends on a powder day mentality doesn't necessarily apply to these women, as Jenny explains. There's definitely lots of different characters, but it's more just like sharing passion. Like I'll go skiing with anyone, like I'll have a great day skiing, with my dad skiing, with my mom skiing, with guests heli skiing or cat skiing. And I'll have just as much fun when I go out with my friends and like push myself and blast around and maybe get scared a little bit, but it's kind of, it's just skiing. It's always, it's always just going to be a really good time. And like when you have a passion that you share with such a diverse group of people, Mm -hmm. it kind of just inspires you to keep doing it. And that's kind of how I ended up in guiding because I just really like people and getting to like see how excited and how pumped they are when they have the best day of their lives, whether it's the best day of my life or not, it's like the best day of their lives. And it's, yeah, it's super cool to get to share that with people. Ginny gets a buzz from pillow lines, but at the end of the day, even if everything goes wrong, her favorite thing is still getting to the car and sharing a beer. I mean, it's the people that make the party, and being a guide allows her to pass on her skills and share them with people. 
it's definitely a good like ego check because you it makes you remember that like yeah I wasn't always good at it and there's like a huge learning curve through everything so it's super humbling to get to like pass that on and teach other people about like the learning curve and that yeah like skiing powder is hard if you've never done it before like using tech bindings is hard if you've never used them before and it's just yeah a part of it you just pass it on and like getting to see people like finally like click for kellen the sun began in the park but the big bad world of backcountry opened itself up to her and changed her momentum while interning for skiing magazine kellen got the opportunity to go on an all-women's backcountry trip I, I remember growing up and only seeing professional skiers who were competing. There, I didn't know of anyone else who was doing it another way. Um, and maybe that's because I was competing at the time, but that's all I saw. And I didn't really know if there was anything else to do in skiing. Um, but then, yeah, so I went, I went to see you in Boulder and I interned at Skiing Magazine. And that was really eye-opening because I had to do research on like the Freeride World Tour and just some other realms of skiing that I wasn't really aware of completely yet. Um, I knew they were out there, but I didn't realize how cool they were or what they were really about. Actually, my first time skiing in the backcountry was on a media trip, um, an assignment for Skiing Magazine. I came down to Opus Hut with um, Chicks with Sticks guiding, and I did. Uh, a little backcountry women's ski camp for a few days. And it was so cool because it was all um, freelance journalists, some older women who were on this trip. And so we were all beginners in the backcountry. And it was so fun. I was the youngest by like 25 years, but they were all so nice and really helped me understand the world of journalism and freelance writing, which is something I kind of have dabbled in and would love to do more of. Um, so that was my first look into backcountry skiing, and I was on rental boots with big beefy bindings and some whack skinny skis, and it snowed like four feet, and I was just like, I don't know about this, but it was so fun. I was like, this can get better. I see the potential. By getting into the backcountry, Kellen was able to reflect on the world and embrace a new community. Spending time outside can also be a place that helps you work through difficult times. Shauna uses snowboarding as her outlet. So my mindset has kind of been like, and I think this is from seeing so much like loss in my 20s, like in my family, um, had a lot of people close to me pass away. And I think that like, it really made me realize like how short life can be, you know, we go through life assuming that we're going to be here tomorrow, and we're going to be here in 20 years and like, whatever. But there you there's no promise that you will be. And like, that has been a big yeah realization for me in my 20s and so with that said I've been trying to make snowboarding a priority because I'm only going to be young once and my body's just getting older and uh tomorrow isn't promised so I've really just been trying to like follow my nose. Snowboarding has allowed Shauna to embrace life and be present. Many people have this idea about those who choose to pursue skiing and snowboarding as wasted potential. They don't see it as an actual career or something that makes a lasting change. But these outdoor spaces are so powerful. Renee's choice to pursue skiing changed her entire life. I did research in my last year of my biology degree, and it was research that I could have published, and I chose not to 
because I realized while doing this research that research was not for me. It was too tedious and I didn't see the point in putting through extra effort to publish as an undergrad, which if I was trying to get a master's or a PhD, that would have just totally skyrocketed me straight there, publishing as an undergrad. And when I told this prof that I think, I was like, I'm gonna just take a year off, I think, and I just wanna ski, and I think I'm gonna work as a ski patroller, and I'm gonna figure out what exactly I wanna do. And she told me that if I did that, then anywhere I applied to for a master's or a PhD would think that I had no ambition. And so that was kind of like, I don't know, I, that still sticks with me now, like how that is the way someone on the outside might perceive this world because it's actually the complete opposite to me. I know people, like a great example is one of my best friends, Jess, is on the world tour, and she has more drive to succeed and more passion for what she does than almost, like, I don't know anyone else that just, like, has that determination that she has. Honestly, being in the ski industry can be intimidating. You might not feel like there's a space for you, or you have imposter syndrome. But regardless of how people make you feel, the outdoors should be for everyone. Even someone as accomplished and skilled as Kellen has felt like an imposter. Yeah, I think I'm most proud of finding my niche. And it's only just happened in this last year. I feel like I can kind of define what my niche is. And it's, and I think actually, my friend Josie asked me last year, what do you tell yourself when you ski? Like, what's your mantra when you ski? And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't have one. I don't tell myself anything. She's like, oh, you should. It's so important to tell yourself what you want to hear. So I started telling myself this winter, you're not trying to prove anything to anyone and it's all just for fun. And I think by telling myself that I ended up skiing how I wanted to ski, having the day I wanted to have, like I'm not the first person to have a mantra I tell myself, but that was the first time I've really done it. And it's, it's so life-changing really. And yeah, you carve out your own little spot and time for yourself. And yeah, I think that's, that's my niche. It's having a different path than someone else and just trying to have the most fun while I'm doing it. And yeah, I think if I am a better version of myself when I'm skiing and I have carved my own path and I do things my own way, I'm a better person and I can help other people with whatever they, they need help from. If it's finding their own path in skiing, if it's something completely non-skiing related. Being outside and playing in the snow has this strange power. It makes you smile and laugh, and at the same time, it is extremely humbling. For snow lovers, skiing and riding can consume you. It adds so much purpose to the lives of Ginny, Kellen, Shauna, and Renee, but it also isn't the only thing that encompasses these women. Skiing is definitely the biggest part of my life, but it's not the only part of my life. So it's cool to get to talk about like, yeah, the in-betweens where it's like, I'm just sitting at home, like reading my book and like not thinking about skiing at all.
Part two, the creativity of snow. So what are these other things that snow gives us? Maybe it causes us to stay up late at night dreaming about waking up to a foot of fresh powder. Or the shadow of a dead tree on the glistening trail inspires us to draw in our sketchbook. Skiing and riding is an art form. Our boards are the paintbrushes. Kellen doesn't look at skiing like a competition. She sees it as a creative outlet, something that fuels her artistic passions. So for me, I have the most fun skiing when I get to be creative and it's more of a more of an art form and I think of skiing as kind of the medium that I use and I know that's kind of flowery and ridiculous but that's how it works in my mind and that's how I end up enjoying it the most and when I think of skiing as a competition or a job or something like that it's it's not fun and I don't do as well when I think of it as an expression and it's more of an art then it all just kind of comes together and I really enjoy it a lot more like, I'm never going to be the sendiest girl out there. I'm not doing the biggest tricks or the biggest line. And I used to think, like, well, then I'll probably, you know, I'm not going to be a pro skier. I'm not going to have a career in skiing if I'm not going to do those things. But that's just not the case. Like, there's just, yeah, there's room for everybody. I keep saying that, but it's, it's super true, I think. To be a part of the snow sports industry, you don't have to be the sendiest person on the hill. You don't even have to be the person skiing. You can be behind the lens, a team manager, or someone who designs gear. There's so many barriers to entry in the ski world, but like skating and surfing, skiing can take on new meanings. We can even reimagine what skiing is. For example, Copenhagen, Copenhagen, Denmark is a ski hill on top of a clean burning trash incineration plant that is located in the middle of the city. Who would have thought that you could ski in the middle of the summer with no mountains or snow and look out at a city view? In the wise words of Kellen, you just have to think a little outside the box and do things a little funkier. I feel like I have to do everything different, a little more funkier and a little more unique than everyone else. And that is kind of how the bus came to be, the first idea of it. And I was actually in South America, um, traveling and skiing and doing a tiny bit of school <laughs> down there. And my partner Cody was here and he found the bus on Craigslist and he went and bought it and it was a mess nothing worked and it was but it was cheap in classic fashion had to do it differently and make it a little more funky and fun and so we found this 1962 bus and just started rebuilding it as soon as i got home and we gutted the insides and rebuilt it completely we had to do a lot of mechanical stuff too um yeah we just rebuilt it and it's been on the road for the past two years. It's been up to Canada twice and it's been all over the U.S. And so it's a trooper. It's old and it's, everyone thinks, oh, it, you know, it probably breaks down all the time. And it does break down sometimes, but it's also gotten us all over the place. And yeah, it's been a blast. It's been so fun. $1,800, grit, and a lot of love got Kellen and Cody's bus called the Honey House Bus up and running. The Honey House bus took them to a lot of beautiful places and spurred so much creativity. I find a lot of, like I said, like I, I, my life is a constant search for something that inspires me or enlightens me. Like I feel like I just, I get inspiration from so many places, from music, from fashion. Um, I know that's not super common in the outdoor world to just get inspiration from all these other places, but like the fashion world is so interesting to me and I love keeping up with like style and 
I think style and skiing is really cool. I think it's all connected in the end, but yeah, I, oh gosh, from surfing, from skating, from music, I just, you can get inspiration everywhere. And it's cool to see how you use that in whatever you want to do. And in my, it's for me, it's skiing. Like I, I try and put a little funk and creativity into things that I do. And skiing is one of those things. Snow inspires Kellen to get up in the morning, put on a fun outfit and shoot pictures. It motivates her to write, make jewelry, have dance parties, and find her next big adventure. For Renee, skiing gets her pumped to make people feel better at the hospital or encourages her to push women to send a three off of a big cliff. Snowboarding inspires Shauna to start practicing herbalism and pushed her to learn how to skate and surf. And yes, Ginny does get up in the morning and think about her dream line, but no one can argue that spinning and hopping from pillow to pillow isn't a beautiful dance. The mountain is Ginny's canvas. There really is creativity inside all of us. It manifests differently, but it is there, and the snow helps bring it out. Part three, femininity. Being a female identifying person in skiing often means that you're assumed to be a total tomboy. Baggy ski pants, having your hair tucked into your jacket, and being able to thumb gun a beer can all be a part of the women's ski package. On one side of the spectrum, people mistake you for a dude when you send a huge cliff, and on the other, the industry sexualizes women and throws them in bikinis. The reality is, there is no right way to express your femininity, because it is a spectrum. People have a lot of stereotypically masculine characteristics, and others love to curl their hair and wear short dresses. How you choose to express your femininity is your choice. It's about owning your space, and Shauna does just that. I grew up as a huge tomboy. I, de I will admit, in, in my upbringing, like, I wished I was a boy. I hated being a girl. It was really hard for me to begin to, like, kind of identify with being a girl in snowboarding, especially when you're, like, 12, 13, and you're just kind of, like, becoming a woman. I've, I've learned that, like, just being who you are is the important thing. Like, maybe you're not the most feminine person. Maybe you're self-conscious about it, and you don't think that you're fitting this little role that you need to fit to be appealing to your sponsors or, you know, followers or whatever. But, like, I feel like who you are is your greatest gift to the world. When you're a kid, it is easier to just be who you are and not really care what people say about you. But as you get older, your identity evolves and fluctuates. It is a long road to understand yourself, but also a really inspiring one. For Kellen, finding herself is ever-changing. My femininity is something that I've definitely had to focus on and think about more as I've gotten older because I never really thought about it when I was younger and such a tomboy and just around boys all the time and all the sports that I did. So now I'm just really aware that it's ever growing and evolving and changing. Um, and I'm really just starting to look at it and look at what it means to be a woman and to be, have feminine and masculine within me as all of us do, men and women. And I just think it's a really beautiful part that's within all of us that we should lean into more, men and women. It makes us better leaders and group members to be really empathetic and sensitive. And yeah, it can make us really good decision makers in the backcountry. 
I was on a trip with all women and I don't think we've ever looked harder at the conditions and had conversations about safety and what do you think? What do we think? Like, are we all comfortable with this? Like, I've never had that as much. And I think that's something we can all practice more. Yeah. And, and even just, I think it was hard for me growing up looking at all the men who are doing bigger and better tricks in skiing or even men holding higher job titles or every president we've had has been a man. So I think when I was younger, I kind of thought of it as a weakness, but that's definitely changing. And I think it's such a strength. In skiing and snowboarding, a lot of times it is about who is doing the biggest and best tricks. We prioritize innovation, and in snow sports, that often looks like the gnarliest triple. But it's just as impressive to do something differently. It's dope to take a friend out skiing for the first time or do a really stylish three. It's cool to do both, send big airs and do your hair. And even Ginny can't say no to a manicure. Yeah, I think, like, I don't actually think about it that often, which, I mean, that's a privilege in its own right that I don't have to think about the fact that I'm a girl or like feel like it influences my daily life that much but I definitely like I love being a girl I'm recently someone told me I have masculine energy which I was like yeah that makes sense but I definitely like to like push through that and like be a girly girl sometimes and like listen to pop music and like sing in the car and put on makeup and do my nails I got a manicure once and like got fake nails and it was the most satisfied I've ever been I was like man this is sweet (laughs) Like, if I lived a different life, I could totally be, like, a full-on girly girl and, like, wear high heels and do my nails every day. Ginny is an accomplished skier. She's a Canadian guide, she's filmed with the blondes, sent huge cliffs, and spent countless days in the backcountry. But through all of her accomplishments and all the days spent filming, she says her favorite project she's ever done was with her mom. The favorite project I did was with Army, and we, uh, we just spent the season skiing, like, shooting, like, little shots here and there. Yeah, we turned that project into the edit we did with our moms, which was just, like, so great for me because my mom is a, one of my biggest role models skiing. She's incredible to watch and just, like, came from Ontario and, like, made her ski dreams come true. She grew up skiing on, like, tiny little hills in Ontario, but was always so obsessed with, like, she'd be the first one out last one home every morning like doing 300 foot laps like over and over and over again and she always wanted to move out west to ski and so when she was 19 she like made the move moved out west and started working in the ski industry and she worked in a ski shop and she got to ski all the time and then she eventually got a job with CMH which is one of the biggest heli skiing companies and got to ski powder all the time and just like it kind of I think it influenced her style because she skied with all these like old European dudes who were like perfectly linked turns like really beautiful like not freestyle at all but just really beautiful to watch and so she kind of adopted that European style where like her skis are super tight together and like every turn is like perfect radius and she just like makes everything look so easy. Only an old school mom can master the effortless, beautiful turn. It is crucial to have people to look up to and be inspired by. Renee has become the voice of inspiration for a lot of women. A few weeks ago, she made a post about what her experience was being a woman in the ski industry. At first, she was seriously nervous, but the response she got made it all worth it. I had a conversation with a friend and I felt like as young women, 
we no one teaches you exactly how to deal with a lot of problems that you encounter that you're just told to either put up or shut up or in or that you should just not be asking for it i felt like neither of those was really the correct answer for me and so i posted a couple different photos that i really liked there are photos that i was proud of but just overlaid it with a bunch of different things that people have told me about my skiing or things that had happened to me as a female skier and they ranged from being told that I'm just a social media skier that lifestyle shots would get more likes that like a photographer that was making comments about how nice my butt was people that were straight up like sexual harassment or like physically hit me and even though people knew that it was happening no one did anything about it Uh, and so like I made a post that really highlighted all this and I thought oh I'm just gonna be so embarrassed I'm gonna delete it in two hours after I posted it or like maybe people would shame me and tell me that that's not how it actually is but the post blew up and I was getting all of these messages and comments and shares and I realized that other people had experienced really similar things or along the same things especially all of those little microaggressions like oh you're good for a girl. Renee was vulnerable enough to share her story and it created space for other people to open up about their experiences. And it wasn't just women. Men also opened up and showed support. There's so many good people wanting to have this conversation, and it was just about someone opening up the floor. So we wanted to highlight women and just look at femininity as a spectrum and kind of put a satire on the fact that the industry does hypersexualize women. It also judges women for the exact same thing. Like you are hypersexualized because that's what sells, but then on the same corner, women will judge each other for looking for a certain kind of attention by posting a certain photo. And there's a scrutiny coming from every angle. It's like, how, like, what are you supposed to be? I think that women should be able to wear mascara if they want, wear pink if they want. Like, it doesn't matter what you want to do. You should just be able to ski. The best day outside is one where you feel comfortable in your own skin. There shouldn't be a definition of that. It's about being with good people. For each person, their ideal day in snow is different. But it's about being yourself, accepting people for who they are, and being inclusive. For Kellen, that perfect day looks a lot like a 1970s disco. So my ideal day, I have all my friends at a hut. Everyone has a dog. There's a one-to-one dog-to-human ratio. (laughs) And (laughs) it's sunny, and it snowed a bunch overnight. And, but for some reason, the Colorado snowpack's super stable. So we get to go ski all day long. Then we get back and we build like a little mini jump and we have like a spread eagle contest, a little mini backflip contest. And we're all wearing costumes. We have a dance party, uh, a limbo party like we had on the true trip last year. <laughs> yeah, and then we go to bed at like 9.15, 9.30 and that's my ideal day.
Part 4. A Look Outside the Bubble The snow sports industry is a huge bubble. The barriers of entry are enormous, and you have to be pretty privileged to start a career in skiing or snowboarding. It has been a really tumultuous year, from climate change to COVID to Black Lives Matter, and it is time for the snow sports industry to reflect our place in the pursuit of facilitating real change. First COVID and then the Black Lives Matter movement and now the wildfires, like it's like triple threat. And I feel like so many people are just ready to get out into the mountains and just be in the snow again and just kind of like start this restoration process. Shauna put it so well. It has been a difficult year, but it is time for a wake-up call. Skiers and riders love being outside, and we love having good people to do it with. We have to become better allies and protect the places we love. Climate change is knocking at our door, and as outdoor lovers, it is our job to listen. Yeah, juxtaposed is such a good word for it. Like, we love being outside. We love winter. We love the earth. It's, it's our playground and our, and our home, and like, it provides us like, everything we need to survive and live and more. And we're, so we're so torn in that way, because what we love, just being a human, we're guilty of pollution and environmental degre- degradation. And like, yeah, it's so hard to find that balance. Expanding the bounds of what skiing can be is so important. It allows people to feel comfortable in this space and invites people to start protecting the environment. And I think it's so important from a conservation standpoint to have people first fall in love with this place so that they care to protect it. And I think that is something I would love to do more in the future is to get people outside to connect with nature, to have a voice to protect it. If people learn to love the outdoors, they're more likely to want to protect it. Creating a safe and inclusive space in the outdoors is necessary. Without having a diverse and accessible outdoor community, we cannot expect people to want to be a part of it and in turn protect it. Having skiing be more accessible is so important. It's just, I think of like all of us, how much skiing has given all of us and how much it's shaped our lives and let us find who we are as people. Like it's, it's so unique in that way. Like not every sport can do that for you and skiing is so unique and important that I want Yeah, I want it to be more accessible. We need to start listening to other non-white voices because they do exist in the outdoors. It is just about opening up space, taking the time to educate ourselves and learning to be real allies. Here's Renee on inclusivity in the outdoors. And I think that it's really important if you want something to be inclusive, you have to ask the people that feel excluded how to best do that. So if it's women in the industry, it's groups like what Shauna and I have talked about like those are who are going to tell you how you can make females feel more included in the industry and then if you want to make um, people of color or indigenous people feel more included in the outdoor industry you're not going to do it by being a white person and deciding what is the best way for them to become more involved and more included you're going to go to groups that are those communities and find like, it's not like there are no people that are black or Indian or like any kind of nationality that don't ski at all. Like there are people that ski, but the industry is very ignorant at finding those people. <laughs> like, whether it's 
female talent or or like people of color like they do exist skiing and riding has given all of us so much it is a happy place for people and really does change lives we need to protect these places so that we can continue to enjoy them and start to educate ourselves in order to make the outdoors a safe space for everyone we want to show nature the proper respect that it deserves open up spaces for incredible women like kellen shauna jenny and renee and so many others and listen to minority voices so that the outdoor industry can become a more inclusive place. Beyond identifying as a woman, what does it mean to identify as a human in the outdoors? There truly is no right answer. It means diversity of thought, appearance, and experiences. It means wearing bright makeup and sending it off of booters. It means starting movements in climate change, skiing with your mom, and reflecting on what barriers create a lack of diversity and how to be better allies. This means talking about race and class privilege, climate change, misogyny, things that make you uncomfortable, and things that make you happy, like a powder day, creativity, getting to guide, or being a nurse. Everyone is an individual, and in order to open up this crazy world of skiing and snowboarding, we need to recognize that. There's no right or wrong way to be a woman in the outdoor sports industry, but we can all be better humans and share this one planet as one people. Thanks to Renee McCurdy, Shauna Paoli, Ginny White, and Kellen Wilson for being rad people and coming on the Human Element podcast. And to everyone else at True Gear for making this happen and making the best gear in the game. The music today was produced by Archer Carr Angler. This winter or this summer, get outside and enjoy yourself and do it in true gear. I'm Monica Furman, signing off, and thanks for listening.